Hello and thank you for listening to episode 136 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is another of our Soundcheck interview shows. And in this one I get to chat with Big Boy Bloater, a man who Jules Holland describes as one of the greatest bluesmen of our time. A man who Sir Paul McCartney once asked to record with him at Abbey Road Studios of all places. Uh, You're going to hear about that and much more in this interview show. And... I've said this a few times, but what the hell? I'm going to say it again. I love doing these interview shows because I get to chat with people with whose music I really love uh, and hopefully give you the chance to, to discover these. Maybe you're already a fan and you want to hear an interview with them. Maybe you've never heard of these people. you never heard of the music. Uh, hopefully, even if just one person listens to it and goes, I want to buy that music, and you do. My job here is done. Uh, well, with Mr. B, not only can you listen to his music and then hopefully go and buy it, you can go and see him live. Check out our website. I'll give you the details of that at the end of the show because he's currently on tour. Uh, at time of editing, this is two days after I talked to him, uh, he's currently prepping for the second date of the tour. So by the time this is out, yep, you can go online, go to our website, check out the dates, where he's playing, uh, and go and see him. And it's looking increasingly likely that I'm going to be at the Shrewsbury show, which is on September the 26th. So if you're in or around the Shrewsbury area and you want to go to a gig that night, well, there you go. Go and see Big Boy Bloater in the Limits and I'll see you there too. Let's have a pint together and a chat. So to start the show, I'm going to play the title track from the latest album and you're going to listen to Pills.
I always begin these shows by thanking the guest uh, for the time that they've given me to have a chat. But with you, I feel I've got to give you an even bigger thank you because you're prepping for a tour that starts tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I am. I'm just literally like packing up merch and stuff at the moment. So, um, but, but it's cool, you know. It's always nice to have a sit down and talk to someone instead of doing all the hard work, you know. So uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Was it? It must be. Is, is it still nerve wracking before you go out on the road? You know. Um, no, it's not nerve wracking. You know, I'm sort of chomping at the bit to be honest. It's. Um, yeah, you know, I wrote these songs, well, some of them last year, some of them a little while before that, and some of them we haven't played live before, so I'm really, really itching to get out there and, and play some of the new songs. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Oh, I should think so. And Life on the Road as well. I was laughing a couple of days ago. I was reading an interview with you where you were talking about road, oh. road stories. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. There, there was one, and I'd love you to, just for the listeners of this show, if you could tell the story about when you stopped at a subway and what happened after the subway and why the, oh. and why the face of Leonard Cohen means so much to you now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, the infamous story. I mean, I got a good song out of that, but um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was the early days of The Limits, and we'd, uh, we'd, we'd stopped in New York for a show, and went to get something to eat and it started snowing. The only place we could get to was like Subway. Uh, so we all got something. We went back to the dressing room to eat. Uh, I'm, I'm not kidding, like 30 minutes before we were due to go on, it was like stomach started bubbling and, and something, <laughs> you know, things were happening. We, we were looking at each other going, oh, I don't feel very well. <laughs> I don't feel very well. And there's only one toilet backstage and it was kind of like a scrabble to get in, into, the, into the toilet first and, you know, stay there. Um, yeah, yeah, it became showtime really quickly, <clears throat> and uh, you know we said the show must go on, so we kind of scooped ourselves up and uh, and got on stage. Uh, it, oh, it was it was it was horrible. It was it was full on food poisoning. Oh no! Right at the right at, right at the start of the gig, three of us out the four got it, and uh, yeah, I was just about to start the first song, and I. I Count it in, and, and the keyboard player leans over and says, oh, "I've shit myself." <laughs> and uh, you know that's that's not how you want to start a gig, no, really. It's not how you want to finish not. a gig either. But you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it you know it kind of went downhill from there. There was a couple of songs where the drummer had to run off stage and throw up in a bucket and on the back. And there was you know we were all trying to kind of hold on to our bodily fluids <laughs> any way we could, like you know. Uh, eventually. Somehow got through the show. I don't know how. It's just a blur of, of, of noise and lights, really. But went back to the dressing room, kind of collapsed on the on the couch, then realised again. Oh, it's another scramble for the toilet, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a, a, an interesting experience, and um, we kicked out the club really early because it was a club night, and they wanted to get a, a different audience in. So it was back into the van. Uh, which had a broken uh, heater. It's the middle of winter, but the heat was broken. We couldn't open the windows. So oh, no. there I am sitting on the front seat of the van. Should have been like 20 minutes to the hotel, but because of the snow, it was like a two-hour drive. Oh. And um, the heat is full-on, blowing in my face. And I, I'm already struggling with the uh, with the, uh, <laughs> the spoils of the subway. <laughs> um, and, yeah, the weirdest thing, there was a, a Leonard Cohen CD on the dashboard and there's a picture of his face on the front cover and it's like reflecting in, in the uh, in the windscreen in the, in the night kind of thing like you know 
And all I've got is I'm trying not to throw up and I'm trying, you know, to hold on to the other end as well. And Leonard Cohen just staring at me for two hours. It was like (laughs) the most surreal (laughs) experience I've ever had. But I got a good song out of it in the end. So, you know, uh, it wasn't all lost. (laughs) We can laugh about it now, of course, but at the time it seemed like the end of the world. (laughs) Is that that how you get the ideas for quite a few songs then? Just weird and wonderful things that just happen like that? Just things that happen to you or that you observe? Yeah. A lot of the stuff on pills is, is... like directly stuff that's happened to me. Um, I, I think, yeah, some of it's directly stuff that's happened to me and some of it is stuff from the very, very dark depths of my imagination. Yeah. And I, and I always say to people, try and work out which is which because I bet you'll be surprised. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the good thing about your music is that it's, you know, it's really upbeat, this blues, this rock, this R&B, this soul, this, you know, there's everything in it. But then there is like like you just said in a lot of the songs lyrically this like dark underbelly as well so you've got you know you've got yeah. this really catchy bouncy tune and then you're listening to the lyrics and you're going oh wow this is <laughs> this is something different <laughs> well I, I like to try and do something a little bit different I, I think I think it was John, wasn't it John Lennon who said to Paul McCartney the world's got enough love songs yeah Paul McCartney went <laughs> yeah. off and wrote that song you know silly love songs I don't think the world has got enough love songs but I sort of I'm going to leave it to the Paul McCartneys of the world you know I, I'll do my own sort of darker thing I think because you know they, yeah that, that seems to suit me better <laughs> what's this about Paul McCartney inviting you to record at Abbey Road as well Oh, this was, yeah, this was a long time ago. We were, we did a, he he used to do like a rock and roll show thing in, in London and we, we played there and uh, he liked what he heard and he was, so at the time he was recording um, Run Devil Run, I think. And he said to us, do you want to come to Abbey Road and record it with us? And we said, well, you know, we'll see, we'll see what we got in the diary, like, you know, but uh, <laughs> as it happens, we had, um, as it did happen, we had a, a tour of America planned for that exact time, so it ended up we couldn't do it, and he, he got um, Dave Gilmore in to do it, I think, anyway. But um, So, yeah, for, for a moment now, we were recording an album with Paul McCartney, but, it, yeah, wow. it all fell through at the end. But, uh, uh, do you know what? I'm not that bothered. It was a, it was a shit album, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that? I, I just did. I'll You're too late it. now. Too late. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've played some amazing places as well. I'm all right in saying that you've played at the top of the World Trade Center. Yeah, we did two nights. Holy uh, in, hell. In the, uh, they had a bar up, right at the very top floor. It's called the Windows on the World. Yeah. And uh, it was the, the stage was right in the corner. And you could actually look, you know, if you look behind you down, you could see the Statue of Liberty kind of in the distance <laughs> down, miles and miles down there sort of thing. It was, uh, it was an amazing, amazing experience. The worst thing, though, was about this, this beautiful restaurant that they had up there, sort of restaurant bar, Windows on the World. No dressing room. It was like the, oh, no. the, the facilities were terrible. And you had to get two lifts to get up there. But, um, yeah, it was a good, good experience. So. I mean, that's a memorable gig. That's got to be up there with one of the most memorable gigs, surely. Or, or can that be topped? Well, do you know what? My memory is so bad anyway. It's, a lot of it is a blur. <laughs> I can't remember that one. You know, that was, that was quite a special. But a lot of it just blurs into one. And I could, did that really happen or did I imagine it? I could, I'm not sure myself now these days. I'm just... You know, sort of keep my head down and <laughs> carry on. <laughs> yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah. For people who are not familiar with the music and then, and, you know, you've got the tour coming up and the dates for the tour, obviously, are going to be on the website and the podcast notes for yeah. the show. What are people going to get when they come to one of your shows? What can they expect? Um, 
well, I think a lot of people sort of brand us as a blues band, but we're, we're not really that. We're sort of we have a bit of blues influence there for sure, but there's a mm. lot of other things definitely yeah. as well. Uh, yeah. R and B and lots of rock, sort of classic rock influence, and some pop and some soul and some uh, you know probably even some country and all sorts of crazy things mixed up in there. So it's it's not sort of really one genre. It's 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 kind of like a big melting pot of music. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely not your sort of, um, oh, I woke up this morning and my dog was dead type blues sort of thing. <laughs> it's, it's much more upbeat, you know. And um, <laughs> Although, yeah, yeah, maybe that'll be on the next album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save that one. Because <laughs> I was, as well, you know, I know, I've listened to the album numerous times. That You know, I do love the album and it's a cliche and, and it's, you probably heard this a few times, but I do. I love every song on it, and it, listeners to this show know I. I don't always say that. I keep that for albums. Oh, well, where I do much. love every song because I listen through them. And again, it's one of those. It's difficult for me. I was trying to pick like a favorite because I always try to discuss. Oh, what's my favorite track? And I'll discuss it with the artist. Right, and I yeah, was. I was yeah. really stuck. I was really stuck for which one to come up. Um, oh, I don't know if I was going to. I, I think this this ain't Rufus. Probably. Is there any stories about this oh, ain't okay. Rufus? Right. Well, that's um, that's kind of in reference to the old uh, rhythm and blues uh, legend um, Rufus Thomas, mm-hmm. who um, back in the back in the day there was a song out um, by uh, Big Mama Thornton called Hound Dog. Elvis went and covered it, and made it famous. But the, the original was by Big Mama Thornton. Yeah, it was Hound Dog. Rufus. Did a did a follow up an answer record to that called Bearcat. It was kind of like a song from from his point of view, kind of answering it, and it was a pretty big hit. Uh, we used to play that in our set. We used to do a little version of it, and we um, we ended up recording it, but we never put it on the last album. We just we just kept it in the can. Yeah. And um, I, I had the track, and I was playing about with the drum track, and I started writing this song to, to that drum track kind of thing. So it came out really quickly of like. The lyric just came out of "This ain't Rufus, it's just me." Um, so it's not a Rufus <laughs> Thomas song, but it's a it's a nod to Rufus, and uh, yeah, that's how that one came about. Oh, that's a great story. It's as well, you know, we were talking about your different influences and the blues and the rock and this that and the other. I mean, I grew up listening to seventies and eighties rock music, and I right, was yeah. I was quite delighted to read that one of your favourite songs is "Since You've Been Gone" by Rainbow. <laughs> I love that song. It's like my party song, you know. It's, uh, it's, it's the song that, whenever it comes, it comes on the radio or on a playlist or anything. It's like the volume has to go right up, and it's like sing along wherever you are. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, yeah, I just, I just I think I remember as a kid when it when it first came out. It was on the radio a lot back then in the seventies, and um, it's just one of those ones that stuck with me. Yeah, it's a great song. Love it. Love it. I got that. I remember when it came out on single. I was at school, and it was one of those schools, you know, with the old wooden desks and the ink thing on the on the desk, and it, yeah, the yeah. front of it lifted yeah. up. And I remember going into one of the classes one day and lifting up the desk, because of course it was a different classroom. It wasn't the class that I was in. And since you've been gone by Rainbow, the single was in there, and it sort of ended up in my school bag, and I brought it home. That <laughs> <laughs> sort of ended up, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got it to this day as well. <laughs> So yeah, it gets played quite a bit here. <laughs> is there any particular early song that sticks with you? Is anything? Is there one song or one album or one artist that got you into music? Um, that got me into music. God, hmm. um, I don't know. I when I was growing up, I was sort of, my dad was always playing stuff in the house, you know. 
uh, whenever we sat down to a meal or we did anything, the first thing that happened was a record went on, you know, before, yeah. before anything happened. And it was always kind of like old rock and roll, blues stuff, blues stuff, you know, 60s stuff. Um, there was a real, just a mishmash of, of, of stuff, really. My dad just either liked something or he didn't like it, and that was it. There was no, uh, <laughs> there was no rhyme or reason to it, really. Um, I, ones that stick out to you, I don't know, there's so much. Again, my memory is so bad. It's all just like <laughs> a big mush of jelly inside my head. It's, uh, it's, things usually come out in songs at some point somewhere, and yeah. you know, you'll hear something. You think, "Oh, that sounds a bit like yeah," and that's that's kind of how it surfaces my my memory yeah, <laughs> through the songs. And the music industry has like changed so much recently, but it seems to me, and obviously, you know, I'm not an artist in it in, in the industry, but it seems a slow rise of people actually buying music again because my generation you know you, you bought the lps and and that was it there was no streaming or downloading or anything of this yeah and that's continued with me you know i still buy albums and I buy you know cds or whatever um but then this generation appeared and it was just click 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 whatever you can get for free but yeah it seems yeah. to be there seems to be just a slight sway now more towards people wanting that physical product in the hand again are you finding that as an artist that it's changing that way or or not am I, or am i just talking bullshit <laughs> I think I think it's a complicated uh, industry these days. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes on, on on the sort of download and streaming stuff, isn't there? You know, I mean, that's that is massive business. But I think when someone comes along to a gig, there's nothing like coming away with a with an album in your hands yeah, or, or a t-shirt or something. You know, something you actually bought off the band. You know, and maybe even got signed or something. You know, you can't get a download signed. So it's it's. Um, mm. It's a it's a it's a memory of that evening, isn't it? It's a, it's a little memento of that evening. It's a it's a physical thing, and it's um, I think you know there's always going to be something like that around. Whether it's you know we go totally back to vinyl or still keep CDs or something, you know. But um, yeah, yeah. When you when you're in a live gig, you want to, you want to get something like that. So it's uh, it's nice to have that physical thing in your hand. I think. Yeah, and I take it you know people coming to the gigs that are upcoming, they can buy the album. They can meet you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that's always yep, good. Uh, that's, what, that's what helps to keep us on the road, to be honest. So uh, <laughs> people buying the album and stuff like that. So, um, I mean, I always make a, a big point of, um, as soon as I finish the gig, I try and get up to the to the merch desk. Yeah. Just to go and say hello to people, really, and have a chat, like, you know, so you don't have to come and buy anything, but come and have a chat and say hello. And it's, it's, it's you know, it's really, really good to sort of, your feet on the ground and just you know have a, have a nice chat with people and uh and say hello so i, I always try and get out there and that way i can leave the rest of the band to pack up all the gear yeah. <laughs> i'll give you the merch desk you know <laughs> yeah oh you, you can tell your experience there <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so what's the what's the evening now then you're gonna you just get, take everything's ready for the tour you do you load up in the morning do you, do you head off out when you're gonna when you're gonna hit this Hit the road for this oh, first date. Yeah, there's there's still a bunch of stuff to do. It it seems these days there's always lots of kind of like officey stuff to do. You know, there's like forms to fill in and and and, and things. To do. I don't know what, how that happened. I thought when I left school, when I you know <laughs> left school early, kind of thing, and thought I'm going to be a musician. I thought, well, at least I'll never have to do kind of like paperwork and all that sort of thing. But there's loads of it. It's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I had to pack up the van in the morning, get on get on the road by about lunchtime, and uh, and head up to Nottingham. That's the uh, that's that's the plan. That's yeah. the first night in Nottingham. So um, yeah, once I'm in the van, I'll be happy. I'll be, I'll be okay. Yeah, get well, on the road. Yeah. 
Well, the show's be coming out on the Friday. You're in Newcastle on the Friday. Uh, so people listening to it, if it's out in time and you're in or around Newcastle, they can get to there. And then, well, you're doing some travelling, you know, like Glasgow, you're going up to Glasgow and it's Preston and then you're coming, heading back down south. And uh, on on the 26th of September, you're not far from us because I'm in North Wales and you're in Shrewsbury. So I've kind of got my fingers crossed that I can get to Shrewsbury on that Wednesday night and get to see you there. Fantastic. Come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put you put you on a list like you know and all that yeah yeah uh that should yeah should be a good night which is our first time playing there so uh looking forward to doing that oh one. nice yeah. one nice well thank you very much for coming on the show it's been it's been great chatting to you and like i say fingers crossed i can get to that gig and we can meet up and uh, maybe have a pint together after the gig wow that sounds very civilized doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> let's aim for that yeah yeah let's go for that one <laughs> all right thanks thank for having me on the show man Cheers. no worries thank you bye-bye And the alarm bell, as always, brings to an end another show. I I could have talked to him for ages. (laughs) I could. I was having a good time chatting with him. I can't wait to go and see him in Shrewsbury. Uh, Hopefully meet up after the gig. Uh, There will be a written review, of course, on the website. So watch out for that too. The website is 60minuteswith.co.uk. There is a contact us form on there. Or you can uh, email us direct, which is contact at 60minuteswith.co.uk. UK. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, at 60 Minutes With, numerical, not alphabetical. And it's the end of the show. Hopefully you enjoyed it just as much as I enjoyed recording it. And I'm going to finish with another cracking tune from the album Pills. And we're going to play out with Stop Stringing Me Along.
Something now, do something. 